Good morning, and welcome to Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts. I'm Rabbi Stephen Garten. As has been our tradition this year, we're going to chat about the weekly Torah portion that is read in the synagogues throughout the world. This week, the Torah portion is entitled Naso, and it encompasses verses numbers 4 21 through number 7, verse 89. Um, it is a lengthy Torah portion highlighted by the following. God tells Moses to complete a head count of the Gershonites, the Merahites, the Kohitites between the ages of 30 and 50, and to explain to them their duties with regard to transporting the tabernacle. God also speaks to Moses concerning what to do with ritually unclean people, repentant individuals, uh, and those who are suspected of adultery. That process is known as sotah. Interestingly enough, it's in this week's Torah portion that the obligation of the Nazarite vow is explained. The most famous Nazarite in the Hebrew text is, of course, Samson. These vows include abstaining from alcohol and not cutting one's hair. And although it's not usually known, the vows of the Nazarite include women. God tells Moses how to teach Aaron and his sons the priestly benediction, which is known as uh, in Judaism and variants of it in most Christian denominations. And God consecrates the sanctuary through Moses and brings the, the tribal chieftains to the sanctuary. Moses then speaks with God inside the tent of meeting, and the parsha is concluded. This week's Torah portion is just chock full of interesting uh, co topics for conversation. Um, we can speak about uh, the Nazarite, we can speak about the priestly blessing, we certainly can speak about how the Torah responds to issues of uh, adultery or suspected adultery. And my guest this morning to chat with me about the Torah portion is Rabbi Joshua Goldstein. Rabbi Goldstein is the Rabbi Emeritus of Shari Shalom in Springfield, New Jersey. He is the founding rabbi of High Center in Warren, New Jersey, and now serves as the rabbi of Sha'arei Hayam in uh, Manawakan, New Jersey. Rabbi Goldstein, welcome to Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts. It's my pleasure to be with you, my old, my dear friend. I was going to say old friend, but my dear friend, Rabbi Steve Garden. You're really not that old, actually. Well, my pleasure. 
we are so thrilled, and I know my listeners are thrilled to have you offer your wisdom about this Torah portion. As I've introduced the portion, I've entitled it Not So, which is how it's uh, understood in the Torah. But I'm wondering, why don't we just begin with the word Not So and how the Torah portion is named? That sounds great. Yeah, I'm happy to do this. More than happy, not only because we're, we're connecting with you, but also did you know that this is the, I, I, I intentionally selected this Torah portion when you gave me a choice, Rabbi Garden, a few months ago, because Nasso is my Torah portion for my bar mitzvah, and today is precisely the 60th anniversary of my bar mitzvah. June 4, 1960, a day that will live. Um, it was a, a, it was the Princeton Jewish Center in New Jersey. It was a different world, clearly. We didn't know from, from Zoom B'nai Mitzvah. Uh, and if you'd like, I can still recite probably the first two verses of my Haftorah and chant them, but I'll, I'll spare you, actually. Well, why, but don't in we all... and why don't we wait until the end of the show... Right. And time allows you can regale our listeners with <laughs> some Haftarah chanting. Sounds good to me. Sounds good uh, to me. So to, uh, we're going to begin right at the beginning with what does the word not so mean, and how does it lead us in to this uh, challenging Torah portion? Yeah, um, the, the Torah portion is called Naso. As all Torah portions, they usually choose one word out of the first sentence. And Naso can be understood in a couple of different ways. That's one of the things I wanted to talk about today, uh, Steve. So Naso is really related to the Torah portion where it speaks of taking a census, a census of the Israelite population. In the previous week's Torah portion, the first one in the book of Numbers, Bamid Bar, it also spoke of taking a census. But here, it's related more, in the previous week's portion, it was about taking a census so they could assess the military strength of the Israelite community. But here, it's more about taking a census so they can uh, uh, designate roles for different people in terms of the creation of an ancient movable tabernacle, a space that was seen as sacred for our ancient ancestors. So Nassau can really be understood as counting, taking a census, and uh, the word for, uh, for that is in Numbers chapter 4, verse 22. Um, what I find interesting about this is that in, the, in last week's portion, the word for counting was se'u. It comes from the same root, actually, the Hebrew root as naso, but it's understood... Let me read it, 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 let me read it for our listeners. Um, sure. So, uh, Rabbi Goldstein is uh, reminding us that last week, when we began the book of Numbers, known in Hebrew as Midbar, in verse 2 of chapter 1, it says, Take the sum of all the children of the congregation of Israel by families following their father's house. And for those who might be following in the Hebrew for this week, 
The Torah portion in chapter 4, verse 22, begins, Not so at Rosh B'nai Gershon, v'gam heim l'beit avotam, l'mishpachotehem. Take a sentence, census. So the, the intent seems to be the same, but the words are different. Now, how do you understand that? I'm sorry to Yeah, I think that's sure. exactly right, Steve. The intent is the same to, to get a sense of the uh, numbers of our people, but the, but the meaning of the words is slightly, slightly different, even though they come from the same root. So, su'u, uh, in last week's portion, can literally be understood as, you know, not tapping on the head to count a person, uh, not simply saying a number, but su as in lifting up, uh, lifting up each face to reveal a human being. Uh, our colleague, Rabbi Karen Fox, came up with the thought a couple of weeks ago, I read what she was saying, and she said, you know, that's, that's a really interesting insight, that our tradition is not simply about counting numbers and counting off, but we want to see the identity. We want to lift up the face of each individual to reveal a unique identity and a unique human being. And, and I really wanted to, to focus on that today, Steve, because, you know, these are deeply troubled times for us. Um, and, and we need to apply this to our situation to not simply count 100,000 deaths in the United States from, from the pandemic, but to see in each of those deaths a unique human being, a precious human being. So when it says su'u, that's a guide for us. It tells us look, not just count, but look at each individual. And beyond that, you know, the racial unrest that we're experiencing now here uh, so can be understood. So what you're suggesting is that it wasn't just a gross counting, but it personalized the text to identify that each person had a unique um, essence to themselves. They weren't just part of a group. That's correct. That's precisely what I'm trying to say. Okay. And, and I was going to also apply it to what we're, what we're experiencing, not just in this country, beyond the pandemic, but the racial unrest, too. Um, so maybe that can be applicable because we shouldn't just understand what's happening now as a policeman's horrible, lethal abuse of an African-American and not simply, you know, the, the, the violence that ensued, but really the faces of real human beings that scream out to us for equality and for respect. All that can come from that one word that is the title of our Torah portion. Lift up, not simply count, but lift up a face so you can actually see it. It's a powerful image. Um, as you know, we're uh, offering our show from Canada, and Canada uh, is not immune from uh, racial discord and from racial disharmony. Um, the members of our uh, black and visible minorities have a long history of uh, racial disparity, and certainly members of our Aboriginal community, community have been uh, marginalized. And so this is, regardless of the authorship of the text, kind of a clarion call to all people of faith 
to recognize that the text is asking on behalf of uh, the source of blessing that each person be seen as a blessing in the universe. It's a wonderful message. Thank you. Um, well, yeah, portion, thank you. The Torah portion shifts gears, though, uh, interestingly enough, and, and um, goes from this powerful statement of inclusion to a statement of exclusion when it speaks about um, the Nazir. Right. Uh, and in uh, chapter 6 of our Torah portion, I'll just read it for our listeners, um, the God speaks to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, A man or a woman who sets himself apart by making a Nazarite vow to abstain for the sake of God, he shall abstain from new and old wine, he shall not drink even vinegar made from new wine or aged wine, Now, nor shall he drink anything, and the grapes have been steeped in. And for the entire uh, duration of his abstinence, he shall not eat any product of the grapevine. No razor shall pass over his head until the completion of the term that he abstains for the sake of God, and all the days that he abstains for the God, he shall not come in contact with the dead, uh, for the entire duration of his abstinence, he is holy to God. And then it goes on with a few more um, explanations about what constitutes the Nazir and the ceremony of introduction. How do you understand um, what this is all about? Um, and who is the Nazir? Yeah, uh, so as you pointed out, uh, Steve, it is from Numbers chapter 6. We, we encounter for the first time the word Nazir, better uh, understood in English as Nazarite, so one who is set apart. Um, so the Nazarite was a person in our, in our biblical tradition who was thought of as wanting to go above and beyond by doing those three things that you just mentioned, abstaining from alcohol, growing one's hair. We can all relate to that now, right? We don't have our, we can't get our hair cut in this country yet. Right. Um, and Not and in keeping, in most places. oh yeah. And so growing one's hair and keeping distance from a dead body. Why is that important? Well, back then they thought that if you came too close to, to a corpse, you would defile yourself. You would be defiled. Um, but the, the deeper question, I think, is, so why in the world would one choose to be a Nazarite? It wasn't so hard. Those three things actually don't make it very, very difficult. You can let your hair grow. You don't drink any alcohol. You don't go close to a, a dead body. Those are all doable things. But why would one choose to be a Nazarite in the first place? And my sense is that people wanted to do, people had, some people had such a passion for our, for our tradition, for our heritage, for our own people, that they felt that they wanted to express it tangibly. Um, and if you're looking down you know, the road, our tradition ultimately came to, uh, to, to frown on this idea of a Nazarite because Judaism frowned on asceticism and self-denial as a lifestyle. 
So, you know, the rabbi, the later rabbi said, you know, it's not a great idea for us to promote this, this idea of a Nazarite. We don't want to be a heritage or a tradition that is based on asceticism and self-denial. And I think they did that correctly. But I think the notion of going above and beyond is still applicable to us is 21st century uh, liberal Jews um, and I, I can I was thinking about this the other day Steve I think you know in we're just past the season of confirmation of post B'nai Mitzvah uh, graduation programs usually well, associated me, with the uh, Rabbi Goldstein yeah. let me just interrupt for our listeners um, in liberal Jewish communities they have a ceremony that's post age 13 called confirmation might resonate with some of our Christian listeners in which the young person is asked to affirm at an age where affirmation is perhaps more appropriate their commitment to their heritage. Uh, Not every synagogue in America or the world has such a ceremony, but more and more, uh, there is a recognition that affirmation at the age of 13 or 12 and a half um, is not as uh, powerful a statement of commitment as at a later age of 15 or 16. Go ahead, please. Continue. Yeah, that's absolutely right, Steve. And I think, um, you know, so I apply this to, to the notion of the Nazarite in its purest form, of a person wanting to go above and beyond. Typically, students, families have a choice. Do they want to, their, do they want to go to the post-study, post-benemitha studies or not? So I think of, of confirmation, and sometimes there are different words now that are used for that, post-benemitha studies, post-barbat mitzvah studies, as a way of being a 21st century Nazarite in some sense. You didn't have to, but you want to go above and beyond to, um, to give evidence to your passion for our heritage. But I could think of, and you could think of, uh, uh, many, many other examples. Like, um, in, in this time when we're practicing isolation and, and, and we're, we're often find ourselves in the house and, and without you know, engaging with other people as much as we used to. This could be a time where we could revive the notion of a Nazarite to allow us to, to discover some things about ourselves and about our heritage. So we could set aside time for commitment to study every day or to doing selfless mitzvot or observance or prayer. And in my own experience during these past three or four months, so I've rediscovered tefillin the phylacteries that traditional Jews or even liberal Jews sometimes put on their arm and forehead. I hadn't done it for a long time, but I promised myself that during this time when I had a little bit more time, I would explore my heritage. And that included putting on tefillin a couple of times. It includes daily prayer. It definitely includes daily study. And, um, and all these ways are, I think, linked to our biblical idea about going above and beyond as the ancient Nazarites would. Well, it's an interesting personalization of the text. Um, I want to ask you whether you see the introduction of the Nazarite as a response to the episode in Leviticus 
where Aaron's sons seem to be um, overwhelmed by service to God, Nadab and Abihu, and they are uh, punished for that. Their lives are taken. And I'm wondering, uh, since I've read this in other sources, about whether the Nazarite is the uh, methodology that the Torah uses to say, if you want to go above and beyond the prescribed, here is a way to do that. Yeah, what a great insight. It would, in other words, we, we channel those, those instincts, right. those passions, in an appropriate way. Um, and, and in fact, if, uh, for a quick glimpse at next week's Torah portion called Baha'u'llotcha, Numbers 8, we also read a story about two other people named Eldad and Medad. Um, this is Numbers 11, verse 29, who all of a sudden probably spontaneously began speaking with enthusiasm about, about our heritage and our people, and some people complained about it, but Moses, to his great credit, says, relax. You know, we, if only everybody had that kind of passion, we shouldn't right. be defensive. So you have two kinds of approaches to this, and I simply take away from all that that we had that we're part of a people that often feels the need to to express ourselves and to act in ways that that really reinforce with pride our identity and and the Nazarite is 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 probably the most well-known example of all that and we can apply our, our lives to that too we don't have we can cut our hair when when we can do that we can drink alcohol we can go to funerals but we can also do those other things that would reinforce the fact that we want to go above and beyond that we really feel the need to to express our jewishness or our heritage in a in a in a different kind of way and of course um the notion of going beyond is not limited to uh, the Jewish community. That right. each faith community, in both antiquity and in modernity, um, strives to offer its adherents ways that are considered the norm and ways that can go beyond to the individual without necessarily um, affirming a status of clergy. Um, I, great insights about this Torah portion. Unfortunately, our time is running short. Okay. So we're not able to enter into a uh, complete conversation about number six, uh, the priestly benediction, but if you had, you know, 60 seconds to speak about the priestly benediction, what would you tell our listeners? Yeah, I would say, you know, again, we were, we're a little bit beyond the season of confirmation, and typically when we have that ceremony celebrating post-B'nai Mitzvah studies for our teenagers, our high school students, um, they would come up to their rabbi or the cantor, and the rabbi or cantor would say to each individual student, may God bless you and keep you. May God's face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May God's face be lifted, we use that word, unto you, and may you know peace. I said it quickly because I know we only have a few, few moments left. 
in, in large confirmation classes, that takes a long time because rabbis like to say personal words to each student. But it is a highlight, and it ends with that blessing which is so meaningful. A, and and, and a, God, I remember when I was a kid, my dad would call my brother or sister and me together on early before Friday night and would say a blessing to us. He would put his hand on our kepis on our foreheads, and would say that blessing. And it left me feeling a sense of wholeness, a sense of, of solidarity with our people, but a sense of love as well. So that's the other part of this wonderful Torah portion that we looked at today. What a great insight. And of course, those blessings have variants in many Christian traditions. Um, I am so thankful that Rabbi Joshua Goldstein of New Jersey has joined with me today to discuss Parashat Maso. For Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts, I'm Rabbi Stephen Garten. You can find a podcast of our show on iTunes or on the chri.com. CA website. Shalom, be safe, and have a good day. Shalom, 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 shalom